Welcome to Belkin's Growth Podcast, hosted by Michael Maximoff, co-founder and managing partner at Belkin's. Today's guest is Catherine Aragon, head of content for Sales Hacker, a leading sales community with over 200,000 monthly readers. Michael and Catherine talk about the role of content strategy in modern business-to-business organizations and the difference between content strategy and simply posting a blog. Enjoy listening. Let's get started, Catherine. So you're a head of content for Sales Hacker, kind of leading community for sales and marketing professionals with over 200,000 visitors per month. Is that about right? Uh, Let me double check my numbers. (laughs) I wrote them down to be sure I didn't forget. Yes, we have about 200,000 visitors a month. And our subscriber list is about, it's going on 90,000. So we have have quite an impact right now. Amazing. Congrats. So we at Dulkins invest heavily in content marketing. And by being here with you on this call, I would use this opportunity to understand how the leading kind of content manufacturer and provider like yourself executes uh, its content strategy. So to kick off, can you kind of give a few words about Sales Hacker and what the platform is about? Of course. Sales Hacker is a leading blog in the B2B space. We serve B2B sales professionals. Really, mostly, our goal is to provide cutting-edge tips and tactics that are by sales professionals for sales professionals. So we don't lean on writers to create that content. We ask people who are out working in the field, coming up with the solutions that work today, to share them with our community. Interesting. And what's the typical sales hacker reader or audience? Well, we're about 80% salespeople. Another 10% are marketers. And then other people are just people who are supporting sales or related. But our readers come from all over the world. And they're just a range of different roles and levels of sales. Okay. And uh, the traffic, what's the, the traffic allocation there? Is it like direct traffic, SEO, or how yeah. do you drive the readers? That's a good question. We have the majority of our people comes from direct traffic. We get a good portion from our newsletter and then a lot from social media and other sources. What's the distribution there? Like 70, 20, 10 or? Let me check. I think that is probably about right. But let me check my numbers so I can give you something accurate. I am actually myself is a subscriber for your daily email. And I've been receiving like daily emails for a a long time. And uh, Mm -hmm. I was actually wondering what's the distribution strategy behind it? And did you test different approaches and what kind of recirculation rate the emails give to you? Does it impact the readership or? It really does. Okay, I'm looking at my traffic numbers now. The organic traffic, about half of our traffic is organic search traffic. And then it goes down, let's see, about 10% comes from the email that we send out every week and probably those daily ones as well. But we try to be very careful not to overdo the email. And I'm hoping that in the future, we can utilize other channels now that text messaging and all the, that kind of thing can make a difference. Or it's just the technology is getting to where it's as useful as email 
but right now email is our primary channel for reaching out to people. So it's just a matter of us thinking and working together as a team to make right. sure that we know the newsletter is going out on Tuesday. We know we have some webinars going on and how can we coordinate all that so you don't get right. more than that one email a day. How many emails do you guys send per day? Is it 100,000, 50K? Probably going on 90K. 90,000 emails. And mm -hmm. what's the click-through rate? So what's the CTA here? Or Many times we get as high as 15%. So we get a really good click rate. 15% is a good number for the industry. I, I know that it's usually around 4%. So you're doing exactly. a great job there. Thank you. My goal 50%. is to be as engaging as possible. Have you been um, testing different call to action bottoms and uh, which one works better? So which one is the champion for you guys? I don't know that we have a champion. My goal has really not been coming up with a better call to action. It's being more personal, more engaging. And I get replies to my emails all the time from people saying, I'm sorry, I have to unsubscribe, but yours is the only one that I open. Or, you know, I can't believe I haven't been reading this email. This was exactly what I was looking for. We get a lot of positive response. And the goal there is to train people to open and read the email. So hopefully by making it more personal, more engaging, more one-on-one, -on -one, we can do that. Right. And... You've mentioned that you are trying to utilize our other social platforms like LinkedIn or, or Facebook or Twitter, right? So what are you doing there, especially on LinkedIn? Because on LinkedIn right now, people are just bombarded with content, uh, both yeah. in private messages as well as in their use feed. So how do you guys want to stand out of competition? What are you doing there? We're not leveraging social media as much as I would like to. We've recently added a social media person to our team, and hopefully that will improve. What we're doing right now is the gal we hired is creating some memes and little snippets of our content that aren't necessarily promoted to drive a click through. They're just promoted to show people, hey, this is the content we've got. Hey, isn't this valuable right here where you are? So it's more about creating readership in another channel than about driving click through. Right. Yeah, you know, I actually, you've mentioned the uh, memes, right? And so do you want to address kind of millennials with the memes and more entertaining content? And how do you kind of leverage the new generation of salespeople, right? With the uh, more traditional salespeople that also can be interested in, you know, and be trending and wanted to get some kind of news or what's going on right now in sales. So it's interesting that you brought it up. My son is also a writer. And uh, sometimes I tap into him to work with me on different projects. And I'd like to hear his perspective because he is that younger generation that's coming into the workforce and they're not looking for the same things that people have up to now been looking for. And so making sure that the things that I write will match the expectations of the younger people who I just happen to know that I talk to every day, that's a big part of it. So I think what you have to do as you're creating content is make sure there are so many different goals you're trying to hit. You're trying to optimize for a keyword, which means you're thinking about what the bot wants. Then you're trying to optimize for the older professionals. So, you know, maybe answering their questions, making sure their definitions and the traditional 
straight laced kind of content stuff. Right. But then also the younger people, like you say, they want they want you to be authentic and they want to know that you are speaking from experience and not just feeding them ideas that haven't been validated in the field. So for them, I watch the tone of the content. I watch, can we give evidence? And we need that for all the generations, but I think they especially want that. Finding the right goals, right. you're hitting all of them. Right. It's interesting that you brought this up, the SEO language for the content, because my actually question was, how do you guys balance between the SEO-driven and context-language-driven writing style, right? And do you have a kind of a person in the gym that always checks through the keywords and give you the description like, hey, guys, we need to do this? And, you know, and do you kind of argue in the writing room like, no, we cannot use this word because it's, it's an awkward language or something like that? We have had arguments here and there. <laughs> a lot of it is because there are so many ways to approach SEO and everybody has their own ideas. The way I like to do it is I do keyword research up front and it's more of a proxy to know what topics people are interested in. And when I'm done writing, I will then go back to the keyword and optimize the page for that keyword. But during the writing, I don't want to think about Google. I don't want to think about their bots. I only want to try to engage with my reader. And right. I feel like the best way to hit that balance. Right. And then after you produce the content and release it, what kind of metrics do you guys track? What's the engagement level for you? What's the success level for the article in the writing room? I look for the visitors, the number of visitors on the page how long they stay on the page and the bounce rate. Because that tells me what if they're on a page and they're bouncing immediately off, they aren't engaged at all. If they are going to other pages, meaning my bounce rate is lower, that means I've right. done a job of raising questions and making them want to explore more. It tells me that I've got them hooked. They care about what we're talking about. And did you measure what the typical size of the page or the number of words that you need to have for an article to make it more engaging so that it decreased the, the bounce rate for the article? That has not been a problem. I have some posts that are maybe as long as 3,000 words. I believe we've done one or two that are even longer. But the majority of them are in the 1,000 to 2,000, 1,000 to 1,500 word range. I only ask writers, please hit a minimum of a thousand words. And that's only to make sure that we give people the depth that they're looking for. We're not necessarily trying to game the system here by hitting a specific keyword. It's more about what does this topic demand? What needs to be said? And if we've said everything that needs to be said, we can stop. But if we haven't, right. let's keep going. And what kind of, what are the trending topics right now? What people love to read about these days? There are so many things. My audience really are, they're looking for tactical things that they can, as soon as they get off the article, they can go put it to work. So I'm primarily looking at things like how to optimize your email, how to do a better cold call. One of the first articles I edited for Sales Hacker was about ghosting and that one hit it off. People <laughs> loved that. I've got another one coming up for Halloween. Amazing. Yeah, it's how to deal with problems they're dealing with in the field. And do you guys receive any kind of feedbacks from the audience or can you share the most kind of funniest email that you guys received to the writing rooms from, from the reader? Or if you 
remember anything like that? So one of the ones was, I briefly mentioned this one earlier. It was a woman who wanted to unsubscribe, but before she left, she wanted to make sure I knew it wasn't personal. And so she wrote back to tell us that she looks for our, our, our newsletter every week. And she, it is the only one she opens and reads when she gets it. And just, I'm so sorry for unsubscribing, because, but I'm changing roles and I won't need <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, so I, I do get a lot of things like that. And it's, it's largely because in the newsletter itself, I'm trying to be personal and supportive, but also because I try to group things in the newsletter. I mean, we share everything that we publish in the newsletter, but I try to put it together on a weekly basis to where they're, they're getting either a theme or they're getting a splattering of articles so that there's always value when they get that newsletter. So you guys obviously execute the whole content strategy. And what's kind of the difference between having a content strategy in place and just posting articles on blog? You know, like, because a lot of companies just posting articles on blog, expecting that, you know, there will be a boom of audience and readership and they can attack the, the readership. So what, what kind of the difference? What, what, what is your take on that? My take is this, that it is fine. Everybody can write content. Everybody can push publish. But that's, that's not a strategy. That's just a task. That's an activity that you're doing. And if you really want to leverage it, you need to be strategic, which means you need the full-blown content marketing strategy. Creating content is one part of it. Publishing and how it, how it looks on the page is another strategy. But the magic happens after all of that is done. If you aren't doing distribution, if you aren't promoting your content and getting eyeballs on it, you've right. missed point. You're creating content for content's sake, and there's no reason to do that. Right. And so can you give us some of your tricks? Like what hours do you guys post the content? how you need to look strategically at some kind of content to make it more for the readership. What's the distribution way for you, you know, when you do the distribution? Top three tricks that you come on mind. So, okay, okay this is the, the, the most important to keep in mind. This is the second, this is the third. I think the readability of your content is the number one thing. It needs to be something people care about, but assuming you already figured that out, it needs to be readable to a human. So, visualize the person, one person who's going to be reading it, your ideal reader, and write it to that one person. So I find so many people try to be academic or they put on this false voice. They try to sound important when they write. Just talk, write conversationally, let it be readable, short, short paragraphs. And that's, I think this is number two, how it looks on the page makes it look readable or look like this great wall of text. You need to group the content and your different ideas. Use subheads to break it up. Use shorter paragraphs, shorter sentences. Again, the words you would use every day, not the words you would use in school. And that's all going to get people more engaged with the page. And then distribution. Yeah, I think the, the last point is just do it. Um, right. It doesn't matter where you share it. Just share it. Get it out. Recycle it. Invite people to read it in every channel that your readers are. 
when is the best time to address business, very busy business individuals like salespeople in the morning, during their lunch, in the evening when they scroll the newsfeed? What's the best time for you to just hit the bottom and post that all the article there? I know there's a lot of research about that, but uh-huh. these days the world is so small. And ours is not the only blog that's publishing and being read all around the world. Well, that means time zones aren't that really aren't that big of an issue. So I think what we've started doing very recently is we just publish it at 1 a.m., which means people in Europe can begin reading before we wake up. People on the other side of the world will read it when it hits them. And then we just make sure that, let's see, when do we send out the newsletter? It's two o'clock Eastern time is when we send out the newsletter. And we get a lot of reads right after we send it. But, you know, of course, we're getting it for the rest of the week also. Right. Because we're allowing people to read it when it's easy for them. So we don't worry too much about when we publish. Right. We just try to make it accessible to everyone. Here's an interesting thing. Uh, You know, I'm in uh, kind of a a salesperson by profession. And, you know, what usually we, we salespeople have targets, like monthly, quarterly targets that we need to hit. And usually before the end of the month, we're hustling hard. You know, we're like on the phone, on the emails. And the last week of the month, like the week it is right now, when you're recording this session, it's like we the, the, the time that we're spending is just with the clients. So did you kind of observe that the engagement level and the readership is going down when the month ends and it is going up when the month starts because people are super busy by closing clients and and making money. I had not even thought about that, but you're right. I'm going to start watching for that. What I have noticed is that the timing of some of our topics is important. So if I'm going to publish something about how to hit your quota, I put that near the end of the quarter. And and the beginning of that month, so they have time to act on it. So I tried to time the different topics, but I hadn't noticed or even thought about noticing whether the traffic goes up and down based on how busy people are. Right. You know, like tips for for salespeople who didn't hit the quota, right? (laughs) What to do, how to look for another job. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. So, well, I have kind of, I have two more questions for you, Catherine. So the first question is, Do you guys monetize the content? How do you monetize the content? What are the streams for revenue for you, for your business? What we do is we sell partnerships. And so we partner with other companies who are trying to address the same people we are. And typically they host a a webinar with our company. And then, you know, there's no, it's purely informational. Our goal is not to partner with people so they can pitch things. It's so they can share their expertise and create interest in who they are and generate some, you know, basically get their ideas in front of our audience. And so that has worked very well for us. And that's, that's exactly what we do. Do you have a subscription-based model? I know that you're responsible for premium content, right? So did you think about having a paywall and then just charging the users for the very premium content, super delicious one, the super extremely, you know, I think that's whether we've had that conversation or not, I don't know. But right now where we're leaning is we want to be the the people who are providing that level of content, but we provide it for free because nobody else does do that. The idea is to support the sales community, to give them the tools and the resources they need to succeed. 
but right. not make it inaccessible. So for us, we want our premium content to be free. And then we work with partners to pay for it. And how do you become a partner? Who should I talk to or other guys talk to to become a sales hacker partner and be hosted with you guys' webinars and and where we can get the pricing? <laughs> <laughs> you would talk to Scott Barker. He is the person in charge of our partnerships. Okay. So my last question for you, Catherine, what is your tool set? So what kind of tools do you guys use for tools and services to, to write posts, to post, to republish them, to distribute them? What's your tool set? What are the top five favorite tools for you guys? Let's see. We keep it pretty simple. I know it sounds like I'm old school to say I use a Google Sheet. That's not about old school. It's, I haven't found an app that gives me the big picture the way that spreadsheet does. I have a spreadsheet where I do all my planning and tracking. And so I can see the, I can see the big picture of the blog on that one page. But then we like Asana to track the actual execution of it. Canva is where we make our original infographics and other things. And what else do we use? I personally, as an editor, I like Grammarly and OneLook. Those are two resources that just help me make sure that we're catching all the mistakes. But other than that, we just rely on our, on our community to supply us with really great content. And then we just try to make it shine. Thank you. So we actually at Belkins, we use Hootsuite to redistribute the content. Do you use something like that to posting everything on social, everywhere? Now we do it manually? Right now we're doing it manually. I actually have a tool that I recently got, but it's, it's mine. And so I just kind of mix in sales hacker stuff with my own stuff. It's called Social Bee. Social Bee. We have actually a challenge right now. So we, you know, we don't want to pay for content to post it, to publish them, but we still want to kind of be out there and to be kind of uh, to partner with some other companies. So we're trying to utilize some free resources like Growth Hacker, Medium, Quora. We also are on some Facebook pages. Do, do you know, uh, can you name or recommend some kind of free resources for platforms where people can just post their content and be closer to their audience. And do you guys actually, do you have some or use some of those? Right now we have several people on the team, Max and Scott in particular, do a lot of longer posts on LinkedIn. They don't use Pulse where they publish articles. They just, they want to do it as an engagement tactic. But there are a lot of people who use LinkedIn Pulse as their blogging medium. And then of course there's medium and we use that periodically right now. We just haven't had time to keep it going, but it's something we'll probably dip in and out of as we need to. I think it largely depends on where your audience is. And so if your audience is checking out forums and things like that, then you need to find the forums where they are and post your ideas. Like if it's Quora, Go and answer questions so people can see you there. If it's Facebook, get leverage your Facebook page and use Messenger so that you can actually engage with people. If you know where your audience is, then you'll know which free tool are the best to use. But right now, social media is where everyone is. It's a good place to start. Right. It is. All right, Catherine. Well, I appreciate your time. I think we can wrap it up. Uh, just the last question before you go. 
are there any insights or is there anything that you want to share with, with, with myself or with the people who can listen to this session in terms of working with the content, writing the content, obviously besides what we already discussed with, with you previously? I think the takeaway for me is be yourself. Don't try to be something you're not. Don't try to create this fancy persona. Just be yourself and leverage that whatever the thing that makes you unique and personable in real life, be that online. And if you're doing that, your content is going to resonate and it's going to attract the people who would be attracted to you as a salesperson. Amazing. I appreciate your time. Thanks for really kind of insightful and I probably think fruitful conversation because I'm definitely going to utilize some of the insights that you shared with me because we have a long way to go in Belkins to create the content that people would read and enjoy. So I appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Belkins Growth Podcast and found it useful. Be sure to subscribe and catch upcoming episodes on iTunes and Stitcher.